So, this morning, we are going to talk about lambs. There you go. All right. So, what's up with all the lambs? Okay, so we're going to do a biblical survey of the topic of lambs showing up in the Bible. And I thought that this would be good to do on, on Easter Resurrection Sunday. And this was actually what I had invited uh, some of my co-workers to come here. And I think, you know, for those that grow up in, in the church or those that have been attending a church for a while, I think we start to get that concept and understanding of the sacrificial lamb. But for those that are not a part of a church society and that live in like a metropolitan area, I'm guessing that this idea of hearing Jesus as the Lamb of God is kind of like a weird conundrum. Like, what are they talking about? Like, is that code for something? So I thought that it would be good for us to do this. And has anybody gone through the Creation to Christ Bible series before? Have you guys ever done that, like, sequential Bible study? <coughs> see a couple of people. So the Creation to Christ Bible study is an amazing way to introduce people to who Jesus Christ is through Scripture. And as you guys know, the Bible is a very thick book. There's many, there's many books within the Bible. And what the, what the Creation to Christ Bible study does is it takes little snippets, starting from Genesis, from creation, all the way through Exodus, and it starts going through the Old Testament, but just hitting on these highlights that, that show that Jesus Christ, that he's actually been throughout all of Scripture, that, that there's prophecies about him, there's all these pictures and types of him. And one of those key themes that you see as you're going through the Creation to Christ Bible study is that there is this sacrificial lamb that God is going to use to save us and to, to deliver us from sin. So I thought I would just pick out some of these key highlights. This isn't even all of them. This isn't exhaustive. This isn't comprehensive. But I thought that this would be a, a, a good way to introduce us to this. And if anybody's interested in just learning more about that Creation to Christ Bible study, uh, I'd be happy to get you the resources for that. It's a great, first off, it's just great for us as believers to kind of know and be able to walk people through that narrative. But then also, that's something that when you're talking to people and you're, you're finding out where they're at in their, in their faith or, or lack thereof, it's a great invite of like, hey, would you be interested in actually seeing just kind of like a highlight reel? of where Jesus is mentioned even in the Old Testament, like thousands of years before he was actually born here on this earth. So I thought I'd start off, uh, this is a photograph, you know, of a, of a modern-day shepherd. So again, I don't, has anybody uh, been around a, a lamb in the last week? No. <laughs> yeah, we got one. Did you eat it? <laughs> okay, so you got, so you got, uh, you, so you're around a, a great, like agriculture and stuff like that. Okay, and where do you guys live? In yeah, 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 yeah. How about anybody? I saw Decker. You raised your hand. Well, I saw some in Kenya last year. In Kenya? Yeah, I saw goat Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I the only time that I see lamb or sheep is typically like on a menu. <laughs> if I'm going to like a Middle Eastern. Uh, but, but it's not something that you see very often, right? 
This is actually a photograph from India, just probably four or five years ago. But this is actually a shepherd that we were on a missions trip. I think it was Chris Best and Dan Sneed and myself. And we there was a couple of times where we were driving from one village to another. And you'd come across on a dirt road this huge herd of, of sheep. And this, I just, this picture, I, I mean, I feel like it just captures so much. I'm curious to know, what do you guys see? What, what can you observe just from this photograph about either sheep or the shepherd? What, do you, what, can, what can you derive from this photograph? The lamb that um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say the lamb that he's holding is like really content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For those, uh, so for those on the recording, uh, the lamb there's a, there's a gentleman holding uh, a lamb, and it just looks really content and happy. Because Amanda, you were gonna say something. Oh, I just really like visual things. It helps me like just meditate on God's word, you know, and. Um, and Sally's gonna make me a print of this because I want it in my house on our wall. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes me think like of protection. Yeah. With his rod, you know, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Yeah. But he's protecting them with this rod. Like he's, you know, I mean, he's directing them. You know, he's like, if anything bad comes, he's gonna protect them. Yes. So I just, I just see protection and like. Yeah, I love that. So Amanda called out that he's actually holding a rod. Uh, she pointed to Psalm 23 that uh, God's rod is actually a, a, a thing of protection. You know, for, for, the, for the shepherd, that can fight off uh, animals that would be predators. That can also, uh, sometimes getting uh, smacked with the rod might hurt a little bit. For the, for the lamb, but it might actually protect them from getting hit by a car. So uh, what, what seems like uh, maybe a, a stern, I mean, this, I feel like this shepherd looks kind of stern. You know? That was, was going to be my point, is serious business. He's he, serious. He's not, making, he's not playing. And yet I kind of see this paradox within him. He's, he is stern and he's gruff, and yet like what was called out earlier, there's a lamb that it just has all this comfort and, and protection um, under his arm. So, so there are still shepherds, and there still are sheep in the world, so just in case you were wondering. And I think the other thing to just kind of call out, and I didn't put this like in the slide or the notes, um, but what you actually find out is that uh, they ha sheep and lambs, they actually have predators. Okay. And uh, it's interesting, I work in the marketing and design industry, and at my job, uh, we have a, a, like a little, I don't even know what the word is, cabinet, that's the word I'm looking for. And there are a whole host of random mugs that have come from marketing companies that we've worked with. Okay, and when I first started working there, I found this one mug and I pulled it, and I wish I would have taken a photo of it, but the mug said, we hate sheep. We hate sheep. And I was like, wow, that's very provocative. provocative. And, and I looked it up on the internet, and it's a marketing company actually here in Kansas City. And what they were trying to say is, we don't want to follow the leader. Right? Like, like we, kind of like, you know, we don't want to be lemmings. We hate this idea of just following and copying. And lambs kind of have that quality of... You know, they're not 
always the most intelligent uh, creatures, and, and they can find themselves in trouble. But uh, what it talks about uh, in, at the end of Genesis, you actually find out that um, the Egyptians, they actually despise shepherds. That shepherds is, the, is an occupation that was an abomination to them. And so, uh, not only do you see an adoration from the Lord for sheep, um, which are representative of humans, but you also see that there's this theme of, of Satan wanting to devour and, and ruin God's children. So, we're going to start from the very beginning with just God's desire. I believe scripture shows us clearly that God had an intention or a desire for creation. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, 25. It says this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Okay, so you guys thought that San Francisco is pr- progressive, but this is actually like the first nudist colony. And, uh, and, and what you see is that when God created Adam and Eve, that there was a communion with God, and there was also a communion with creation. And that uh, Adam and Eve were, were never instructed to kill animals and eat them, um, the only thing that we see in Scripture before this time is that they were given fruit and vegetables to eat from the trees that were provided. And so we see that God is, is just blessing Adam and Eve. He's providing for them. And He's also communing with them. But for Adam and Eve, it specifically calls out that they were not ashamed. And I think that that would be a very easy detail to, to miss in that verse, is that Adam and Eve were not ashamed. But that's not where humanity's at now. Um, and I can always just kind of uh, speak to myself and, and my own uh, sin condition. But if, if you guys were to get a highlight reel of uh, my past, if you were to get a highlight reel of some of the thoughts that I've had towards people that I don't like, uh, people that I think I'm better than, uh, I, would, I would be uh, ashamed. And, and, and what we find is that when God first created Adam and Eve, they were naked and they were not ashamed. And, and that's just not a place that we're at now. The other thing is that we see in, in these early verses that God's desired for His children to walk in life and purity. Okay, So your, your first two blanks are life and purity. So, we got, we, many of us know this. So, God had an intention and mankind sinned. We had a deviation from God's plan. And there's, there's a, a, a really clear line of demarcation in Genesis 3, verses 6 through 7. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired... To make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And, they, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And what we see is that when, 
when, uh, when Adam and Eve take of the fig leaves to try to cover their shame, their embarrassment, we also find that they're hiding from God. And again, this is not what God had intended. God had intended to have fellowship and communion with his sons and daughters, and yet we find them hiding. And are any of you guys like me? Like, we kind of hide when we deviate from God's plan, you know? It's, It's hard to be in the presence of somebody... It's amazing just what you learn about uh, eye contact, <laughs> right? Like, we have four children, and a lot of times when they can't look us in the eyes, we know that either they've done something or maybe somebody's done something to them. And I'm wondering, you know, is there anybody here that um, has either done something where they feel like they can't look in God's eyes, um, the eyes of God's Word, or has there been anybody who's had something done to them, you know, where sin has, has, been, uh, has, has come upon them by somebody else's wickedness and, and they just feel unloved or they feel like they can't look God in the eyes because they're not whole? And this is where we find Adam and Eve in, in this. So, you know, the, the first point of this is, is just that our sin introduced shame and distance into our relationship with God and each other. Shame and distance. And the fig leaves, you'll, you'll actually see that um, fig leaves show up a couple of times in Scripture, even in the New Testament. But uh, they represent man's best efforts and our self-righteous deeds. And unfortunately... What we try to do to cover up our sin and shame and depravity and the cavities of our life, they are inadequate to atone for our sin. And, man, we try so hard as humans. We try through education. We try through government. We, we try through protests. I mean, you name it. We, we try through self-help. Uh, we try through exercise, like, and, and yet there's no new thing under the sun, and we keep on going through the, raw, the like the same mountain and finding ourselves in, in the desert of sin and the wilderness, and it just doesn't it doesn't fix the problem. Yes. It doesn't fix the problem. So this is where, even from Genesis, even from the beginning, you see that when man deviates, that God has such a beautiful heart towards his, his creation, that he loves us. Uh, but we also see that there's, there's a price to pay for sin. So Genesis 3, verses 20 through 21 says this, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. So, this would be a very easy phrase to just kind of pass by. Oh, God made them some coats of skin and clothed them. But they had made these aprons out of figs. Uh, By the way, don't do a Google images search for uh, 
aprons with, with fig leaves on them. Uh, people, have gone, people have gone crazy with that imagery. Uh, but um, but it, wasn't, it wasn't adequate, okay? And the, those fig leaves, those aprons made out of fig leaves were not adequate. And the Lord wanted to clothe them. And, and so what it took to cover their shame, to cover their sin, was actually... There was, a, there was a price to pay, and it was the bloodshed of an animal. This is the first time that we see anything about death. This is the first time that we see anything about bloodshed. Is in, in Genesis 3, when God is sacrificing a living creature to cover men and women's deviation from the Lord. Now, I'm not a super big fan of this depiction of God. I feel like he's a little short for what God would actually be. But <laughs> what I did like uh, were, were these amazing furry uh, coats <laughs> that Adam and Eve were wearing. Uh, it must have been winter because those things <laughs> would be really hot in the sun. But... Uh, but you know, this is this is showing that like this wasn't just some you know this wasn't like a some polyester or like synthetic you know this this was a, a an animal a living animal, and if you guys have ever been a part or or been around um, like a farm or anything like that, it actually is kind of a gruesome uh, process. I think we have the convenience of being able to show up at a grocery store in modern day society and oh there's just like packaged animal for us uh, but that was actually sacrificed unto our belly like the reality of it is that there was a sacrifice unless you're a vegetarian or vegan more power to you but like that, that is a sacrifice and, and there's a price to pay for that blood has to be shed So, God shed blood to cover humanity's shame. And I, I think the, the question would... I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of curious to know, like, what... Like, I wonder what animal it was. Was it an ostrich? That would be kind of a cool, like, coat, right? Like, or, or a peacock? I don't know. Like, uh, and, and, and one could speculate. Uh, I'm not going to die on this hill... But uh, I think when we start seeing the pattern that is introduced even at the start of Genesis 4, I would bet my money that this animal was actually a lamb. So uh, I'll show you the first reason why. So um, sacrificing a lamb became a model for remembrance and worship. Remembrance and worship are your blanks. Okay, so... What we see is that Abel, so uh, Adam and Eve had two children, Cain and Abel. Cain was the firstborn, Abel was the secondborn. And that Abel sacrificed the firstlings of his flock. We see that in Genesis 4, verses 1 through 5. So we're going to read that. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his, his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep... But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass 
that Cain brought the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Okay, so what we have here is we actually have the, the, the first generation of children. I guess they do the second generation of humanity, first generation of children. And they are offering to the Lord. Cain is bringing his best efforts. He's bringing those, those fig leaves, per se. He, he is actually bringing an offering to the Lord from the cursed ground. And, th- and that represents, again, our self-righteousness. And our self-righteousness, our best efforts, our goodness, is like filthy rags to the Lord. And what we see is that the Lord was not pleased with, with Cain's offering. But what we see is that Abel brings an offering of the firstlings of his flock, sheep, right? And the fat thereof. And I guess I would just ask this question. Where in the world would he come up with this idea of sacrificing sheep? Like, where would he get that from? Now, again, I, I, I don't want to be super emphatic on that. Um, but, but because there's nothing in Scripture between Genesis 3 and Genesis 4 that specifically sh- uh, says that God gave him instruction to do this. But I believe that he was following a model that was a precedent set before him by the Lord, following in the Lord's footsteps, and then we're going to see that model continue throughout Scripture. And I'm just going to show you a couple other examples. So the second example is Abraham sacrificing a ram. Okay, and many of you guys know the story from Genesis 22 of God speaks to, to Abraham and, and asks him to sacrifice his son Isaac, his 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 beloved son Isaac, the promised child. It is uh, just a mind-blowing story. And I think I've talked about it probably every time I've taught in here because I just I, this is one of those stories that I just marvel at of, of what God is asking Abraham to do, it, like the impossible, and also what God is trying to show us through it. So there's this part where Abraham and Isaac are walking up the mountain, and this is where it picks up in, in verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Okay. So Isaac is, is walking up the mountain knowing that they're going to go worship the Lord and, and that there's going to be a sacrifice. And he's got the wood. And for the fire, but he's starting to do the math in his his, his mind, and he's realizing we don't we don't have a, a sacrifice. Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Now again, why a lamb? Why a lamb? And Abraham said, "My son, God will provide Himself a lamb for a burnt offering." So they went both of them together. As you guys know, this story. God is actually testing Abraham to see what he is willing to do and give up for the Lord. And at the point where Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, God actually stops him. And Abraham looks over, and in a thorn bush, there is a ram caught in the thicket of this thorn bush. It 
pictures a lot, it looks a lot like a lamb with a crown of thorns around its head, stuck in this thorn bush. And Abraham realizes that his faith actually came to reality that the Lord did promise a lamb to deliver his son from death. And so he went and sacrificed. So this is, a, this is a second example in the Old Testament of God providing a sacrificial lamb to deliver uh, the firstborn, or uh, yeah, the firstborn um, from death. <clears throat> the, the third example is Israel sacrificed the lamb without blemish for the Passover. Okay, and Mitch talked about this. I, I think about the notes that he had us... Uh, had us, I think he had us color the doorposts, uh, and and that picture will will stay with me. But if anybody's not familiar with it, uh, God was delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they were in slavery, and Pharaoh was hard-hearted and would not let them go. Um, not only that, Pharaoh had uh, killed all their sons that were being born. Um, he was having them be killed so that he could keep control of God's people. And he would not listen to God, and God gave him nine different plagues to wake him up and to humble him and to show him that God was serious about delivering his children out of, out of slavery and to be able to, to worship and commune with him. And Pharaoh would not have it. And so the final plague was the firstborn sons being killed. Uh, and this was, uh, this, this was a picture of God's judgment over wickedness. And what he instructed his people to do was take a lamb. Actually, let's read the verse. So Exodus 12, verse 3 says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Notice this picture of a, of a pure, spotless, almost like a sinless lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it, out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat it. And so they're sacrificing this perfect lamb, this spotless lamb. They're taking its blood and in a cross-like painting shape on their doorposts, this death angel is going to pass over and their children will not be judged for the sins of Egypt. It's this beautiful picture of, again, being covered by the blood of the Lamb and receiving forgiveness instead of paying for our sins. Now, the, the, the thing about this model that um, was, was actually given by God for sacrificing that we see throughout the Old Testament is, is that it, you, 
had to keep on doing it. You had to keep going. Like they, God had given instructions to the children of Israel to um, how how to annually come before Him and and to to worship and to remember Him. And <clears throat> but they had to do it year after year. And Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament, actually gives us a, a, a very important insight about this annual sacrifice that the children of Israel had to do. Um, and the nature of sacrificing in the Old Testament by the law. It says this, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Okay? So, so basically what that's saying is that um, the law was pointing to a shadow of something, but there was actually a, a reality that it's, been point, that's, that it's pointing to. And that when people come year after year and they're sac- making sacrifices, that it doesn't make them perfect. It doesn't make them pure. They've got to keep coming back. Verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. Okay, so if, if, it, if it would have eradicated their sin, then they wouldn't have to come back. But they still have a, a, a conscience of sin. Verse 3, But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. And check this out, verse 4, Hebrews 10, verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So these annual sacrifices that they did, okay, it did not take away their sins where they, not ha- where they didn't have to come back and do it again. So, so why, why still do that model? And again, I point back to that there was a remembrance and it allowed for them to worship. But what we find is that God had... Uh, a, a plan and that this picture of a sacrificial lamb was pointing to a true reality that is found in Jesus Christ. And the first, uh, the first verses that we're going to look at and Sam had actually mentioned or had read some of these in the first service is Isaiah had a prophecy about a coming Messiah. And honestly, I would love if we had time to read through Isaiah 53. Uh, It is such a beautiful chapter of who Jesus is. And with the Holy Spirit's power, man, it is so clear that it's talking about Jesus. Uh, If you're looking for a passage to maybe sit down with your children and, and, and read about who the Lord is or why we celebrate Easter, uh, why we remember His death on Good Friday, Isaiah 53 is a great passage for that. This was actually written uh, approximately 700 to 750 years before Jesus Christ was born on this earth. And this is, this is just a snippet of it, but verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Again, this theme of lambs, but it's actually, it's calling us sheep, right? All, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, 
and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And check this out. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And verse 10 says this, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." And again, I just want to point us back to what we saw in Genesis 3, that the Lord covered Adam and Eve with a coat of skin. And this, this just fits so perfectly into what we're seeing here in Isaiah of a coming Messiah that's going to be slain to cover our, our sin, our iniquity. So this was a prophecy that uh, many Jewish people had, had, had been reading and, and at the time of Jesus uh, were familiar with John the Baptist. He uh, was preparing the way of the Lord and when he saw Jesus, uh, when he was baptizing people in the River Jordan, John the Baptist said this, The next day John seeth Jesus coming into him, unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53, right there, in that guy. That's our Messiah. And there's actually another verse in John uh, chapter 1, where, again, his, he's, John the Baptist is with his disciples, and he points to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. There's no mistaking that the Lamb of God is Jesus Christ. There's no mistaking it. So, in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we find forgiveness and we find new life. And that's the good news. Okay? Sam went through the evidence of of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so... We don't need to go through that again in detail. Um, but I do want to like double down that there is a price to pay for sin. And God has a way to pay for our own personal sin. And, and that is through Jesus Christ. But I also want to be clear that if you do not choose to accept Jesus Christ, you will stand before God. And I don't know if you'll be able to look him in the eye. He might make you look into his eyes. I don't know. I don't know how God will play that out. But you will give an account for your sin. Everything that nobody else knows, you will give an account for the lies, for the deception, for the hatred, for the murder in your heart, for the lust, for the pornography you will give an account for those things. But for the believer, for those that accept 
Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved and your sins are actually like washed away forever. You don't have to go back and, 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 and bring an offering to the Lord every year. You don't have to sacrifice a lamb. Did anybody bring a lamb today to sacrifice? Okay, like you, you don't have to do these things because there was an, an ultimate sacrifice that was better than anything we saw modeled in the Old Testament with the ram caught in the thicket or, or the coats being, slay, uh, coats being made out of that. So check out what Hebrews 10 says. You know, we read a little bit from Hebrews 10 earlier and it was talking about how the blood of bulls and goats wasn't enough. That you had to keep doing it year after year and that there was still a conscience of sin. But check this out. In Jesus Christ, okay, it says this, By the which will we are sanctified, made clean, forgiven through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. You can't lose your salvation. It's sealed with the Holy Ghost. Verse 11, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Jesus went as a lamb to the slaughter. But I also want to declare to you guys that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and He has power. He willingly gave His life. I believe Jesus is the perfect picture of meekness, controlled strength, he was blindfolded and, and people were hitting him and spitting on him and saying, prophesy. Who is it that is doing this to you? Who's, who's doing this to you? Prophesy. If you, were G, if you were God, you could prophesy. I believe God, I believe Jesus knew who it was that was, that was beating him in that moment. And yet, on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But Jesus is, is not just the lamb that went to the slaughter, but he also rose from the dead. Amen. He is alive, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and every tongue will confess, and every knee will bow down and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and you either volunteer that now and acknowledge that now, or you're, you're going to have to do that and it's not going to be pleasant because you're going to look back at regret and you're not going to be able to fix things. Now is the time to get right with the Lord. So with Jesus resurrecting, with Jesus being at the right hand of the Father, with Jesus being alive, King of kings and Lord of lords, there's one more picture of a lamb that I want you to see that's in Revelation. And it's that the living Christ 
our Messiah, Jesus, is actually worthy of worship because of the ultimate sacrifice and victory over death. So this is from Revelation. So we started... i got to work on... Okay, Genesis to Revelation. i got to mirror everything. I'm realizing that. So we started in, Gen- in Genesis and saw pictures of the Lamb being sacrificed. And Revelation, the other bookend of the Bible, says this, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne... And the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I want to read that again. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. There is going to be worship for all of eternity recognizing who Jesus is. That He's not just some weak little human that was taken advantage of. That He actually gave Himself for the sin of humanity. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And that is just a picture of the, the weight of Jesus' glory that when we are in his presence it's going to be hard not to worship because of the amazing uh, honor and glory and power and majesty and riches that are due His name. So, uh, let's let's praise Jesus. Uh, I'm going to just uh, close out in prayer. If if there is anybody that just feels a disconnect from from Jesus, and it might be because... um, you're not familiar with some of the things that we've talked about. Um, maybe there's somebody in here that just feels shame. Maybe they're even a believer, but they still something still doesn't feel right. You're still you still feel like your sin, your past is plaguing you. I just want to ask that um, you would be bold enough to grab uh, for the guys to grab a guy for, for the girls to uh, sorry ladies to grab uh, another lady um, Jesus walked up the hill of Calvary to deliver you from from sin and death and like it's not a big ask from the Lord to grab somebody that's sitting next to you that loves you and cares about you and to to, to just tell them what's happening and, and open yourself up. There's nothing but love here. There's nothing but love here and there's nothing but love from God. And so if, if Jesus could walk up the hill of Calvary to be sacrificed, I think you can open up your heart to one of our, our brothers and sisters here and, and, and ask for help and, and to share. So let's pray. I praise you, Jesus.
You Are Worthy. Uh, you Are Worthy. I love that song that we sang. Um, you Are Worthy to Open the School. And uh, You Are Worthy of Our Worship. I pray that if there is anybody here that doesn't know that safety, that covering that comes from, from you and from the finished work of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of our Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. I pray that today would be the day of covering, of healing, of shame. Today would be the day of deliverance from evil. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, leave this premise, that we would go in um, consciousness and and strength and power of your spirit and in your word um, to where... The, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to where um, to be in your your resurrection power. Um, please help us, Lord, as your church, as your bride, to shine um, brightly for you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday and uh, go in Christ. Love you all.